This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on insurance. I'm an attorney who has retired from the practice of law and now spend my time as an insurance claims consultant, an expert witness, an author, and producer of these videos. Today I'd like to talk about the contract of personal indemnity. First party property insurance is a contract of personal indemnity. The insurer promises to indemnify the first party, the insured, in the event the insured incurs a loss as a result of one of the perils insured against by the wording of the policy. Insurance does not follow title to the land. The insurer makes a promise to the first party, the insured, that if there is a loss to property in which the insured has an interest, the insurer will pay indemnity for the loss. The elementary principle of insurance law, that fire insurance is a contract of personal indemnity, not one from which a profit is to be realized, has been the law of the United States and of the United Kingdom for the last three or four centuries. The insurance claims adjuster must always ascertain that the owner or a person with some other insurable interest in the property is the person insured and that the person insured has an interest in the property. Failure to do so could result in the insurer paying the wrong person or paying a person with no right to the benefits promised by the policy. Proceeds of a policy upon the interest of an insured are not subject to the claims of others who have an interest in the property but are not named as insured or who do not qualify as insureds by definition. A first-party property policy is considered by courts asked to interpret the conditions of the policy, a contract that is personal to the person named as an insured or who becomes an insured by the wording of the policy. It is a contract made with the individual protected, the insurance does not go with the property as an incident thereto to any person who may buy that property. If it goes at all, it goes as a matter of contract for the transfer of the property. In the estate of Cartwright versus Standard Fire, the Tennessee Court of Appeal in 2008 held that the contract of insurance is also purely a personal contract between the insured and the insurance company and does not attach to or run with the title to the insured's property absent an agreement for the transfer of the policy by the insurer. This was stated in Fulton Bellows v. Federal Insurance, a 2009 decision of the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Tennessee. It is an elementary principle of insurance law 
that fire insurance is and always has been a contract of personal indemnity, not one from which a profit is to be realized, the right to recover must be commensurate with the loss actually sustained. For example, in practice, consider a fictional Mrs. Jones who is allowed to live rent-free in a home owned by her children. Mrs. Jones purchases in her name alone a policy of homeowner's insurance insuring her against the risks of loss to the structure and its contents. If a fire destroys the house, Mrs. Jones can recover because her interest in the house is an insurable interest. Because if the house burns down, she's got no place to live and therefore has been damnified or damaged by the loss of the house. Her interest in the property will allow her to recover for the loss of property if it is lost, damaged, or destroyed. Mrs. Jones's children, the owners of the home, also have an insurable interest in the home, but are not insured under Mrs. Jones's policy and may not recover any proceeds from her policy. In California, as in most states, the law is, quote, in common parlance, we speak of a house as being insured. But strictly speaking, it is not the house, but the interest of the owner therein that is insured. And whether that interest is founded upon a legal title, an equitable title, a lien, or such other lawful interest therein as will produce a direct and certain pecuniary loss to the insured by its destruction, he has an insurable interest therein. California Supreme Court stated this in 1896 in a case called Davis versus Phoenix Insurance Company. Only a person who is both an insured and who has an insurable interest may obtain indemnity from a policy of first-party property insurance. For example, in Russell versus Williams, a 1962 case of the California Supreme Court, it stated the rule, quote, It is a principle of long standing that a policy of fire insurance does not insure the property covered thereby, but is a personal contract indemnifying the insured against loss resulting from the destruction of or damage to his interest in that property. The property is not insured against destruction. The insured is guaranteed against loss to the extent of his insurable interest, not exceeding the amount stated in the policy's declarations page as the limit of liability promised by the insurer. As the betterments and improvements installed in the building pass to the owner, at the expiration of a lease, for example, in part consideration for the rent, the tenant could not sell them or remove or recover their value. The insured, therefore, had a limited insurable interest, 
the right to use the improvements until the expiration of the lease, while the owner would have a 100% insurable interest in the property. As a contract of personal indemnity, the policy only insures the person named in the policy against certain risks of loss of property in which that person has an interest. A person who has an interest in the property but is not named as an insured cannot recover under the policy. No matter how many times I say this, it is still the law and only a person insured can recover regardless of the extent of that person's insurable interest. Similarly, a person named on a policy who has no interest cannot recover. No one can recover indemnity on a first-party property policy unless they have an insurable interest in the property and are named as an insured, or as a mortgagee, or as a lien holder, or by definition becomes an insured under the policy. And therefore, if there is a fire to a piece of real property mortgaged to the hilt, and the mortgagee forecloses on the property, and makes a full credit bid on the foreclosure sale, therefore paying off the entire loan, cannot recover from the policy because the insurable interest of the lender is the security provided by the home. And if the loan is paid in full, even if it was paid by the mortgagee itself, there is no insurable interest and nothing to collect. Insurable interest is probably one of the most important concepts that an insured, an adjuster, or an insurance lawyer must understand before dealing with any kind of insurance claim relating to the loss or damage to insured real or personal property. An insurable interest may generally be said to be that anyone has an insurable interest in property who derives a benefit from its existence or would suffer loss from its destruction. An insurable interest in property is any right, benefit, or advantage arising out of or dependent thereon, or any liability in respect thereof, or any relation to or concern therein of such a nature that it might be so affected by the contemplated peril as to directly damnify the insured. Of course, damnify is a term used from ancient use of the English language and is incorporated in statutes like the insurable interest statute in the state of California, and it simply means that you suffer some kind of damage from the loss of property. The term interest, as used in the phrase insurable interest, is not limited to property or ownership in the subject matter of the insurance. 
An insurable interest in property may arise from some liability which an insured incurs with relation thereto. Such liability may arise by force of statute or by contract or may be fixed by law from the obligations which an insured assumes. Moreover, an insurable interest in property does not necessarily imply a property interest in or a lien upon or possession of the subject matter of the insurance, and neither the title nor a beneficial interest is requisite to the existence of such an interest. It is sufficient that the insured is so situated with reference to the property that he would be liable to loss should it be injured or destroyed by the peril against which it is insured. For instance, although a person has no title, legal, or equitable interest in the property, and neither possession nor right to possession, yet he may still have an insurable interest if it is primarily charged in either law or equity with a debt or obligation for which he is secondarily liable. Insurable interest is a keystone of the concept of insurance safeguarding the insurer against the risk that arises if one who will receive the monetary benefit from loss of the insured property or life in the case of a life insurance has no interest in the property not being destroyed. For instance, I could purchase a homeowner's policy showing your house in your neighborhood with your house's address as my own. I don't own it. I have no interest in your house. The policy exists and promises to indemnify me up to the amount of my interest. If your house burns to the ground, I've lost nothing. And since I had no insurable interest, I could collect nothing. It is well settled across the United States that having title or an ownership interest is not the sole basis for having an insurable interest in property. Rather, the test of insurable interest in property is whether the insured has such a right title or interest therein or relation thereto that he will be benefited by its preservation and continued existence or suffer a direct pecuniary loss from its destruction or injury by the perils insured against. Originally, the statutory requirement of insurable interest was intended to prevent wagering on human lives with regard to life insurance. The concept was soon expanded to property insurance. No insurance contract on property or of any interest therein or arising therefrom shall be enforceable except for the benefits of persons having, at the time of the loss, an insurable interest in the things a risk of loss about has been assumed by the insurer. In Florida, the measure of an insurable interest in property is the extent to which the insured might be damaged by loss, injury, or impairment thereof. This was Accident Cleaners versus Universal Insurance, a 2015 decision of the Florida Court of Appeal. 
Similarly, California by statute defines insurable interest as, quote, every interest in property or any relation thereto or liability in respect thereof of such a nature that a contemplated peril might directly damnify the insured is an insurable interest. This is California Insurance Code Section 281. This video was adapted from my book, Zalma on Insurance Claims, Part 101, 3rd Edition, which was recently published and which is available as both a Kindle book, a paperback, and now as a hardcover from Amazon.com. If you found this video to be interesting or useful to you or your colleagues, please pass it on. It's free. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel, my Rumble channel, and my blog so that you can be advised of future blog postings and future videos. Thank you for your attention.